0: Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keene, a senior pastor. And wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today.
1: Um, so I've been reading about the birth of Jesus and have been really stirred and challenged again by Jesus' mom, Mary. And how she so quickly, without any arguing, without any drama, made herself available to be used by God for his mission. And so I want to read, um, you can read with me in your Bible, on your phone, or hopefully it'll be up on the screen. Uh, Let's read in Luke 1 verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name is Joseph. Of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now let's just pause here for a minute because I don't know about you, but if an angel of the Lord came to me and started off the sentence with, Rejoice, highly favored one, blessed are you. Um, I would be thinking that he'd go on to say like, you've won a new car or to be contextually correct for Mary in her time, like you've won a new donkey. But he doesn't say any of those things. That's what I think. That's what we think he should say. But Mary seemed to have an inkling that this wasn't where the angel was heading. Verse 29 says, But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. She seemed to know that she wasn't being offered a brand new donkey. Maybe because she'd heard stories um, from past generations that when you are highly favored, fla- fav- <laughs> when you are highly favored by God and blessed by God, it doesn't come with an offer of God doing something for you. But that being highly blessed and favored by God often comes with an with an invitation. It often comes with an invitation or a request. To do something for him. It goes on to say in Luke 1, verse 30 to 33 Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end and so she's been told that she's going to have a baby and he will grow up to be a king and that his kingdom will go on forever and ever and then in Luke, uh, Luke 1, verse 34, it says, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Which means I have not slept with a man. Remember, she was engaged. She wasn't married. She was engaged. She was a virgin. Anyway, we shall move on. Uh, and the angel answered and said to her, And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, there are other stories in the Bible where we see different responses to people being told that they're going to have a child in somewhat impossible situations. You know, Sarah, when she was told she was going to become a mum in her old age, laughed. Zacharias doubted when he was uh, told he was going to have a son in his old age. But Mary simply believed and obeyed. And to understand how incredible her response is, we need to understand what it would have meant for her to be in this situation, in her context, in her culture and in her time. Because it was dangerous. For her to be unmarried and pregnant, she was at risk of being stoned to death for adultery, rejected by Joseph, her future husband, and potentially rejected by her father. And that would have meant that she would have needed to live a life of prostitution or of begging, living on the streets to earn her living. She also risked um, being considered crazy. You know, if she told people that an angel came to her and told her that she was gonna have a son and that the Holy Spirit was the one that actually she conceived it with, like, it's crazy. But despite the risks and despite what seemed impossible, inconvenient and uncomfortable. She simply believes and obeys and says, let it be done as you've said. And I wanna share a few things from Mary's response to God that has stirred me this week um, and hopefully can encourage you. The first thing that, um, that has got me is her belief. Mary's belief in God is incredible. And I feel stirred to really feed and um, strengthen my belief in God. Believing in God is the starting point of our faith. Yeah, it's the starting point of our relationship with God to our eternal salvation, to our faith. The Bible says in Romans 10 verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Acts 16 verse 31 says, um, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You along with everyone in your household. And so belief is where we start with God. It's as simple as just choosing to say, okay, God, I'm gonna believe in You. Simple as that. I'm gonna believe in what Jesus did on the cross. I might not get it. I might not understand it or know about it, everything. But that's okay. Our starting point with our faith is just choosing to say, okay, God, I'm just gonna believe. Lord, help me to believe. And if you're here tonight and you've not had a relationship with God or you've not started this journey of faith, Then later on in the night, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to say a very simple prayer that just opens the doorway where we actually just put our belief in God. And in that moment, as simple as that seems, everything can change in this life for you, but also in eternity. And I want to invite you just to be open to that when it comes around. So our belief is how we start, but our belief in God, in His truth in the in the truth of His word, in His character, is something that we need to constantly and intentionally be growing, feeding, and strengthening. Colossians. That's not a book in the Bible. It's actually called Colossians. Colossians. So it says in uh, chapter 2, verse 6 to 7, So then, just as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We need to keep feeding our faith because at every turn, the enemy is trying to make you doubt God, doubt his faithfulness, doubt his ability to use you or your ability to be used by him. He's trying to doubt, um, cause you to doubt his ability to do the impossible in your life. And right in the beginning, in Genesis, right in the beginning with Adam and Eve, uh, doubt was the tool that the enemy used to lure, 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 whatever the word is, Adam and Eve away from God and away from um, the plan that He had for them. Genesis 3 verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And He said to the woman, Indeed, has God, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? That was, that was the enemy putting a seed of doubt in Adam and Eve that then became the downfall of, of their life and of all, human, of all mankind as well. And he's still planting seeds today of doubt. We need to watch for those seeds of doubt in our thinking and in our hearts. The Bible warns us to not have a doubtful heart, otherwise we risk falling away from God. Hebrews 3 verse 12 says, Take care, brethren, that there not be any, in any one of you an evil or unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. I love in the scripture after Mary was told that she was going to give birth to a son. It goes on to say that Mary hastily went to visit her relative Elizabeth. And um, Elizabeth says in Luke 1, verse 45, Blessed is she who believes. So he, Elizabeth is talking about Mary. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. It's because of Mary's belief that God's promises will be fulfilled. You know, God has promises for everyone of us. And we see throughout the Bible stories where God's promises are fulfilled because of people's belief in Him, because of their faith in Him. And later in the book of Luke, when Jesus um, grew up, when the, the Mary's baby was grown, He heals a blind beggar. And when He does, He says in Luke cha- uh, chapter 18, He says, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well, your faith has healed you. It was God's ability and willingness to heal and to do the impossible combined with the blind beggar's faith that made the miracle happen. In Matthew 9 verse 27, it says, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him out, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And after Jesus had entered the house, the blind man came to him and he said, Do you believe that I am able to do this. He asked them, do you believe? Yes, Lord, they answered. And then he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And their eyes were opened. Praise Jesus, I've just lost my notes. Have a drink, have a moment. In Mark 5, when Jesus healed the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, he said, daughter, your faith Has has healed you. Go in peace and be free of your affliction. Are you getting the it's our faith? God has the heart to heal us. He has the heart and the and the willingness and the ability to do miracles, to do the impossible in us. It's our faith, it's our belief in Him. And here are the thoughts that challenged me this week. I wonder what promises. This is what I was really stirred by. I wonder what promises from God haven't been fulfilled in my life because of my doubt. What am I missing out of because of my doubt? And what are the people around me missing out on because of my doubt? And God has been highlighting areas in my life where I've been doubting Him. And He's been stirring me to believe again, believe His promises, believe that He's able to do the impossible, even when all the odds are stacked against me, He's able and He's stirring me to reignite, strengthen, stoke my belief in Him again. And I just wanna encourage you a few tips on um, strengthening your belief in God that I am doing, that I will be doing. Um, The first thing is pray for God to help you believe in Him. We need to pray and ask Him. The apostles modelled to us in Luke uh, chapter 17 when they said to the Lord, increase our faith. They modelled to us, they were asking God, increase our faith. We can do that as well. Ask God. Cut out the, the second thing is cut out the doubtful thoughts and replace them with Scripture. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. We need to make our mind line up with the Scripture rather than the doubts of this world. What we feed will grow, yeah? If we feed our doubts, our doubts will grow. The more we think doubt-filled thoughts, the more we will doubt God. The more we think faith-filled thoughts, the more our faith will grow. We feed it by what we think. What are you thinking? Are you aware of what you're thinking? The third thing is surround yourself with people who have strong faith so that they can rub off on you and stir up your faith. I'm so thankful for the people that I get to do life with because they stir me. They stir my faith. They stir me to believe when I feel like everything's hopeless. They stoke, stoke my faith. The fourth thing is, is to read and meditate on stories in the Bible where people believed in God and He came through. The story of Moses who trusted God and confronted Pharaoh and he could have been killed but he chose to go and obey and believe that God would be with him and then it ended up in him leading all of the Israelites free of slavery. The story of Esther who trusted God and went and obeyed and went and spoke to the king, she could have been killed by the king by going and approaching him. But she believed God, trusted Him, obeyed Him. And because of her obedience and her belief in God, she then um, set a whole nation free from potential death. The story of Noah who believed and obeyed God went and built the ark. And so because of that, his family were saved. And then the story of Daniel who trusted and obeyed God and was thrown into the lion's den as a result, but God was with him, shut the mouth of the lion and then um, was saved by God as well. There are so many stories in the Bible that you can go to if you are feeling like your faith is uh, low or your belief in God is not on point at the moment, it's okay. But go and build your faith, go to the Word of God, stir yourself up with the stories there who you and strengthen you. You know, I love Matthew. Have a drink if you'd like a drink. I'm just gonna have a drink. Please, you're welcome to. Yeah, cheers. Matthew 17 says, "Um, with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Nothing will be impossible for you. So if you feel like you've only got a bit of faith tonight, that's okay. God can do something with that. The second thing that Mary has stirred me to grow in is my obedience to God. In Luke 1 verse 38, Mary said, "'Behold the maidservant of the Lord, "'let it be done according to your word.'" Mary was so quick to obey God. With no fuss, no drama, no argument. I can obey God, but often with the fuss, the drama and the argument beforehand. Mark didn't, uh, Mary didn't ask 20 questions like, hey, what's gonna, how's this gonna work? What's gonna happen here? Has someone told Joseph that like, who's gonna cover that part of it? She didn't do a pros and cons list of what would work, you know, how it would actually weigh up. She didn't look at the timing to determine actually, is this the best time for me to actually do this? Not really, God, can you just, just give me another couple of months and then I'll get onto get on it? She was interruptible and available to do what was challenging and uncomfortable. This challenges me. She knowingly said yes, despite the risk of being stoned, rejected and ridiculed. And Mary went on to, like Pastor Jared spoke on last Sunday, um, live a very challenging and uncomfortable and painful life being Jesus' mum. You know, when she was heavily pregnant, Sarah, you'll like relate to this as well. Imagine being like heavily pregnant and then having to like ride on a donkey almost about to give birth for like less than a week. I oh, know, just less than a week was the trip, yeah? Yes. Sitting on a donkey almost a week. Not my first and, uh, choice of birthing suite. But then when she gets to Bethlehem after riding on a donkey for a week, There's like no room in an inn or in a hotel. So she gives birth to uh, Mary in a stable with all the animals. And then when her baby was born and he grew up, she watched on as he was hunted and as he was um, persecuted and as he was then led to the cross and she watched as he was crucified on the cross. Like the most horrendous thing for any parent to watch their baby grow up and experience that was the life that she said yes to when she said yes to obeying God in that moment.
0: Yeah.
1: It wasn't comfortable at all. Yet she didn't run from it. She didn't delay it. She didn't make excuses saying, sorry, God, I've got too many other things going on. She said, okay, God. And we can get caught up. I can get caught up doing my own thing, chasing my own dreams, chasing my own comfortable life. And our culture is all about this, yeah? Yeah. Our culture is all about chase your dreams, you know, follow your heart, um, strive for the comfortable lifestyle. But that is not, as a Christian, our goal. It shouldn't be our goal. But we can be very subtly kind of coerced into that way of thinking without even realising. It's like, you know, when you put a frog in, um, in cold water, if you want to kill a frog, you put it in cold water and then you slowly, I would never do this. I would never do I've just heard this is how you do it. If you want to do don't do it. Please don't do it. Don't. Cindy's got a bit of a fear of, we'll pray for your fear of frogs. Um, but no, let me come back so if you wanted to kill a frog you put it in cold water and then you just heat up the temperature gradually and gradually until it boils that's this culture hey it won't jump out yeah it won't jump out because it's gradual I've lost my point do you get my point there Jesus let them get the point um that is our culture. Chasing dreams, striving for comfort, slowly, subtly kind of coercing us as Christians into thinking that is the dream, that is the goal. It's not. We run from anything that brings discomfort, but actually, knowing God and living in His purpose for our lives, that is the goal, not, not running from discomfort. And it requires obedience, like Mary. And being willing to sometimes do what is challenging, do what's uncomfortable for something greater than ourselves. The Bible encourages us as Christians to be imitators of God, be imitators of Christ, sorry. To love what He loves and hate what He hates. He loves His people. He loves His children. So much so that he left heaven to be born in a stable, the Prince of heaven, with all of the, whatever he get to enjoy up in heaven. Like he left that to come down and be born in a stable, in such a humble, like how revolting would it be to be born in a stable? And then to die on a cross for one reason and one reason only, to save us from the consequences of our sin which is actually eternal separation from Him and from, his, and from God. He died so that we could be reconnected with our Heavenly Father, so that we could know what it is to be in relationship with the One who created us, who's got a plan and a purpose for us, so that we could actually go into eternity knowing that we are secure and we're going to an eternity of life and joy and peace rather than pain. Jesus' message is simple. He loves all of His children. That's His message. He came, He died because He loves us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes, yeah? It's not whoever does this, 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 checklist, 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 comes to church, does this tradition, does this religious thing. It's whoever believes. Do you believe tonight? It's whoever believes in him would have eternal life. And there's a parable in the Bible that so beautifully demonstrates God's love for us and for his lost children that don't know him. And in Luke, I'm reading a lot of Luke tonight. You liking this? Yeah. <laughs> Any other Lukes in the room? Nope, just you Pastor Luke, enjoy. Um, so then Jesus, this is the parable. So it's a story that Jesus told to demonstrate God's heart for his children and for the lost. So Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after that lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbours together and he says, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you in the same way, There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You know, He is the God who loves the one. He cares for the one. He goes after the one. That's His love. That's His love.
0: You
1: know, thankfully God isn't asking us to carry and deliver um, the message of salvation in a literal way like He's asked Mary to do that. But He is asking us to carry and deliver a message of salvation to the ones that He has put in and around our lives. I was once a one. I was once a one that He went after. I didn't grow up knowing Jesus. I was a one that was lost and broken and that I'd made a mess of my life. You were once a one. Think about that. When you were that one that was lost and broken and didn't realise that you had a Father in Heaven who loved you. You might be a one in here tonight who don't realise that you're a one, but actually God loves you so much that He's brought you here tonight so that you could experience and get to know that He is the God who loves you and knows you and wants you to know Him. And I wonder what would have happened to me if the people that God had asked to reach me, what if they hadn't obeyed, have obeyed? What if they had have said, sorry, I'm too busy? Sorry, I'm chasing my dreams. Sorry, that doesn't fit in my schedule right now. I don't know where I would have been. I probably would have been on my third, fourth, fifth marriage, broken. That was the the pattern that was happening in my life. And I wonder where you would be tonight. If the person that God had asked to come and carry the message of hope and salvation to you, where would you be if that person said, sorry, can't be bothered, too busy? Does that make you think? It makes me think, gosh, I'm so thankful for the people that were obedient to God and loved Him and chose to take hold of His mission and chose to actually go out of their way and be interruptible to come and speak to me and tell me that Jesus loved me and tell me, told me that no matter, no matter what I do, no matter what I've ever done, that He would always love me. I'm so thankful for those people that again and again and again would come and tell me. And it wasn't just one person, there was links in the chain. And all of those links in the chain were so important for me. And I just wonder what links are you guys? What links are we? He's asking us to believe Him, obey Him, but also pick up His mission and carry His message to the lost sheep. Matthew 28 shares the great commission before Jesus ascends up into heaven after he died on the cross rose again he came back to earth showed himself to his disciples and then before he leaves finally to go and live in heaven he came and he told his disciples I've been given authority all uh, I've been given all authority in heaven and on the earth therefore go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit Teach these new disciples to obey all the the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of the age. If we've put our faith in Jesus Christ, if you're here tonight and you say, yep, Jesus is my Lord, you are blessed, you are highly favoured and you have, through the Great Commission, been asked to be a part of His mission. This should be not an add-on to our life, not an add-on to our already busy calendar. This should be the focus of our life. It was the focus of Jesus' life. So why do we think that we wouldn't make it the focus of our life?
0: Thank you so much for joining us online today.